Hi, welcome to the Corner of Hope and Wellness with Carrie Hill. This week's guest is Jody Jacobson, and she's going to share how some of her darkest moments became some of her biggest miracles. So let's take a listen. Good morning, Jody. It is so nice to be with you. You're such a bright light, and I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's, and it's nice to, it's nice that we get to catch up a little bit in, in our little zoom square. So thanks for being here. Um, so let's jump in. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the beginning of your process, which led you down. Like I like to say the rabbit hole, because your story is so beautiful and it's so hopeful and, um, but it also comes out of some difficult times. So can you just share a little bit, like a little brief part of your background? Hi. So I'll give you a little background. I, I grew up um, with a single mom um, and there were four of us, four, I have three siblings, um, uh, uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, mom was... Mom had her own trauma, so she was pretty broken and had a lot of depression. Um, We had a lot of poverty, so we were pretty poor. And um, I took it on probably pretty early of kind of caretaking after my mom. She would write kind of dark journals about her own journey, um, which was concerning because she was suicidal and some of those pieces. So as a, as a young girl, I did a lot of those, those pieces. Um, Ultimately mom began to drink when I was 13. And I have to say that at least in my 13 year old mind, it was a real saving grace because mom became social and she was, I didn't need to look after her anymore. So in some ways, she self-medicated and it was effective. And in my child's mind, I thought, wow, that is a great solution. (laughs) Um, So probably at age, well, I was 11 when I first picked up my first drink. But when mom started drinking, I was 13. So that's when I really went pretty fast and furious into my own addiction, if you will. I suppose in the beginning it wasn't addiction, but um, I, I mean, I remember, I remember clearly taking my first drink when I was 11, vodka and Kool-Aid. Yum. <laughs> but I do remember, you know, it was the first time I felt, you know, that I could breathe, that I was comfortable in my skin, um, um, that I didn't have that like overwhelming anxiety about life. Um, And by 13, boom, (laughs) I was off to the races. Um, And by 15, I had dropped out of school. Um, I had moved out of my house and was living on couches and and doing that whole piece. And fast forward, um, you know, I I think I was always trying to move my, you know, I had strict boundaries. Like I'm only going to drink and smoke pot. I'm only, um, all right, I'm only going to drink, smoke pot and, and take speed. I'm okay. I'm all, you know, and by the end I'm like, all right, I'm doing everything, but there's no way I'm doing heroin. That's for sure. That's draw the line because I had run out of, you know, all of those bottoms and, um, 
And I held to that for a time. Um, by 19, or I guess I was, I must have been 20 um, when I entered my first rehab, um, drinking and all of the other drugs that I was doing was already destroying my marriage. And uh, by this point, I'd had a child. So I want to ask you a question just yes. really quick on that. So, so there was, you know, you had all these limits, right? You had these boundaries. I'm only going to do this. I'm only going to do this. So what was the tipping point that although you, you were in control of all these substances that you said, now I need to get help from an outside source that took you to your first rehab? I think it was um, that the other alcohol and cocaine and other drugs had spun out of control. And although at that point I wasn't doing heroin, which was my bottom line, um, I was doing other things to excess. And I was destroying my marriage um, and I was out of control. Um, so that was the first, um, my first kind of legitimate attempt at like, okay, I'm going to go to 12 step meetings and I'm going to do this whole piece. And, you know, I think so much of that, that I uncovered in my, you know, what would, what would eventually become my double digit rehab journey, um, was that there was just so much trauma, you know, stuff that um, had occurred a a lot throughout my life that, um, you know, that I just needed to get some of those pieces resolved. And particularly because I had started using so young, um, you know, I kind of had those decks stacked against me in terms of long-term sobriety because I had my own trauma and then my mother's historical trauma of her own life um, that I needed. I mean, each one of them was honestly um, extraordinarily helpful in beginning to heal that person inside of me and build the resilience that I would need um, so I, I, I'm just going to say something, kudos to you for saying you relapsed several times. Um, and you went to, you're saying you went into some kind of a rehab rehabilitation several times. And I love that you're saying that it was a gift because so many people would focus on the shame of relapse and of, saying, now I have to pick myself up, or if I'm going to relapse, I might as well relapse in a really big way. Right. And so gifts each time. Oh, each time. Yeah. I mean, just really extraordinary gifts. I mean, I think people that are like afforded the opportunity to go into a 30, 60, 90 day rehab and only focus on themselves. Um, regardless of that number one outcome of like long-term sobriety, um, if you're really all in, you're um, getting a lot of those pieces. You're walking through some of that stuff. And I, and I had a, I had a a big bucket load, (laughs) like a lot of us, you know, and, and that really helped me to weed through those causes and conditions that continued to, uh, let me destroy my life and, um, and have to rebuild it again. So that is a a big story. (laughs) It is a big story. And just knowing the things that I know about your story, you also have 
you had some devastating aha moments, not a like, oh, wow, I'm a really wonderful person and I deserve better than this. Right. Yours were kind of the opposite. You're, I want you to kind of talk about some of your, your wake up call aha moments because they're still gifts. Yeah, there's no question. I, I, I would say that, um, you know, fast forward, uh, 30 years, um, or I guess it was about 25 years since I had first entered that first rehab. Um, I finally hit that, uh, that bottom I said I'd never do. And I had, had, had an injury. I got strung out on pain pills. I had been, I was sober seven years and, um, I started taking pain meds, which ultimately led to heroin. And I suppose, um, the biggest, two of the biggest aha moments for me was that complete and utter inability to stop. Um, and my, my children's father, um, who was also a social worker and in addiction therapy, um, had his own issues with um, addiction and pills and ultimately died. Um, and he you know, I, you know, I, I think about the huge struggles that he had and shame around that whole piece, but ultimately, you know, due to his addiction and complications with that, he passed away. And by then I was full fledged. I was using heroin by then. Um, I had, we had, I had three children, um, two of them adults. One was an adolescent, um, Alec, my baby, um, and I ultimately um, wound up in jail <laughs> um, and I, I detoxed in jail. Um, I had never been in the criminal justice system and I was in my 40s. Um, I was uh, terrified, um, very, very ill. And I thought, God, you know, has it come to this, you know? And um, that is where it comes to, you know, with addiction, it's, you know, they talk about in 12 step programs like jails, institutions and death. And, you know, I had done um, everything but die, you know, and I thought, God, I'm I'm going to leave my kids without a mom, you know, and and as much, you know, like self-knowledge as I had, because I had a lot of it. I'd been to hundreds of thousands of meetings over the years since I was 19. And I had been to 10 rehabs and lots and lots of therapy. And I thought, geez, I know so much about addiction and I can't stay sober, you know. And um, that was that was uh, instrumental and, you know, all of my soft places to land were gone. You know, I was on that metal cot and um, it was a real turning point for me. It really was um, that I was willing to do anything, you know, just absolutely anything and and really let go of like that whole like intellectually. I knew a lot of that stuff. I was so um, bright in so many areas, but not when it came to that. When it came to addiction, um, you know, that was a whole different roadmap. And I think I'd always had kind of that piece, like, I'm going to do it kind of my way. Like, I'll do some of the stuff, most of the stuff, some of the time. But, you know, like, I'm not going to let go of that, you know, you know. So the the bargaining, you know, we talk about a little bit about the bargaining. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I think I also I'm thinking about a couple of things, Jody, too, is 
you talked about using really young, right? And with substances, your emotional state gets pretty stunted when you start using young. Plus you were a caretaker when you were really young. And I think those are two big things when you go back to this piece around, I had all this knowledge and all this brightness, but there's an emotional piece that was stunted that also was bargaining, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I had that inner teenager that had not grown up as a result of like, you know, drugs and alcohol really stopping that piece. Like I want what I want, you know? And, and, you know, and I just, I think I had that, you know, I, I had that inability to kind of process my own feelings. I liked two feelings to feel good and super freaking good, you know, like, and anything else like anger or sadness or fear, any of that stuff. Um, I wanted to blot those pieces out. You know, I wanted to do A to C, like, here's what happened. And I am at total forgiveness. And, you know, and I don't want to do any of this B, you know, in this, you know, processing those feelings and um, what's happening with me, you know? Yeah. So that's, and, and so you were willing to do anything in order to get better or, uh, you know, get better or, or, you know, to bounce back. Let's just, yeah. So what was, what was, I I'm just wondering what were those steps that got you out of the rabbit hole? Well, I'll tell you. So I spent 111 days in the Pima County Jail. And um, once I was discharged, um, you know, I just dove in. So I, I definitely... You know, I had a, I had a, you know, I was fortunate in that I had like a circle of people from my recovery. Uh, to, you know, I've been going to meetings for years here in Tucson, so I went back to meetings. Um, I, uh, I ultimately got a job as a peer support. You know, and so much of the pieces in twelve step is about getting out of your own way and helping someone else out. That helping someone to navigate through. There, you know, that there, there's hope, you know, that, that if I can walk through it, you can walk through it. So I was given this extraordinary opportunity. My whole life, I had wanted to be a therapist, like since I was a little girl, like, you know, I'm going to, someday I'm going to be a therapist. But um, as, as, as it turned out, I was a 15 year old dropout, but I got this extraordinary opportunity to work in a detox center and I was working with the folks that were in the process of detoxing and um, I got that you know and I could use my own personal experience about like I I get that on a level that you have no idea Um, and here's what I can tell you you know that I did Um, I was able to take those clients to meetings and talk with them and use my own lived experience to be able to help them to walk through um, the rabbit hole that they were currently in, (laughs) you know, Um, and that led to a lot of things. It led to me um, being able to run a peer support program at an agency where I was able to hire peers at a pretty rapid pace and build some programming around, you know, uh, gaps that were there. Um, it happened quickly, honestly, Carrie, from the time that I started in the field, I was 
fast forward to absolutely living my dream. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it was like the universe (laughs) opened up and gave me these opportunities to use what had been um, extraordinarily painful for me to to help other people. Um, I have to ask you a question. Because yes. I'm I'm just thinking about that process. So when I met you, you were already the director of the peer support programming. And how long had you been sober then? I had been sober, gosh, I'm gonna say I'd been sober. I might have been sober about four years at that point. Um, because I had worked in the detox a couple of years, then I got a job in that same agency that we worked together at. Um, and I was doing like a wellness program and curriculum for that. And then I moved into that, um, director position, um, for peer support and began. Yes, super quick. And I started getting all these opportunities to travel around the world or around the country, um, and speak. And it was like, it it, it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it might've been three or four years. It was extraordinary, you know? And at this point I am like, um, you know, I went back to school. So I was going to school simultaneously to get my undergraduate um, degree and went on to get my master's in social work. Um, so I actually am a therapist now. You know, it's, just, it's like, wow, you know, and I, um, you know, I'm currently the director of adult services at another agency where I get to build all sorts of programs for the homeless population and and folks that are suffering with substance use. And I mean, I could not have imagined that, you know, I, I, uh, you know, in August, I'll be sober 10 years. And 10 years ago, I was in the Pima County Jail, you know, and it's like, wow. And now I, I, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you. You know, I think about like, you know, what's some of the greatest gifts and certainly like living um, a career that is, uh, that I feel, that I feel is meaningful um, for me. Um, you know, and, you know, recently my mother passed away and she was on hospice for a year and she was able to live with me. And, and you know, she passed away in 2020, which was, you know, during the pandemic. So I was working remotely. And I think about like the extraordinary gifts of being able to be with her and being able to talk about like, you know, her own fears about dying and, and, you know, to have all of us, you know, my siblings who I really love and my, my kids and all her grandkids, like it was um, so beautiful. You know, we were with her to the last breath and it's like, that would have never happened, you know, had I been, you know, had I not had the grace, you know, to be able to kind of, you know, come out of that. It's like, wow, you know, how does someone get so lucky, you know? So with, well, you get, you get lucky because there was so much perseverance and determination. And I, I think when I think about that, and I think like, I love that you, you made this shift and then your world exploded in such a beautiful way. And, and I'm thinking about what, what are you doing because because it happened so fast, that can actually be something that could be a setback, that somebody could be so scared that so many wonderful things are happening 
that then they go back to what they know or what they've been living. And I'm wondering, what are you doing on that day-to-day basis that keeps you from that little, you know, voice that might be saying it would be a lot easier to just relapse or whatever? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, on a daily, you know, I pray, I meditate, I remember who I am. Um, I remember that, you know, vulnerability of, um, you know, that we're this far away from a drink, you know, I mean, that's how far, you know, 10 years, master's degree, it doesn't matter. So I remember those pieces. I still, you know, and in my profession, I I see that, you know, I see, I see that so much. So it really, um, enhances uh, my ability to remember um, who I am. I, I love that. Do you have other tools that you use? Sure. I mean, there's meetings. Um, there is like, I have a really great support network. Um, I have many both family members, friends, um, co-workers um, that are in recovery, whether from addiction or eating or, or, you know, it's all the same thing. Like, what can I do to fill that hole? Um, so what can I do to fill that hole? You know, I can, <laughs> I, can uh, I can live an extraordinary life. I can, you know, spend time with my family. I can go to meetings. I can pray, meditate, yoga. I mean, there are so many um, tools. Um, I mean, these days, to be honest, it's uh, it's definitely not my first thought. I, I I think of, you know, of like going back, you know, the first years it was, you know, when something came up, like the death of my mother, the first thing I would think of was that. And then I'd need to think through it. Um, that is not the first thing I think of. Um, could that change? Yes. You know, I was sober for seven years and it did change, you know, so I'm well aware of the, you know, vulnerability of having addiction that it's, um, it's never completely gone. It certainly uh, is significantly different than it was my first year or two. It is not a constant battle um, because I have tools and um, that's wonderful, you know? Yeah. And you're doing exactly what you learned when you got out was this thing about sharing your knowledge and helping others who might be less, a little, a little back on the path from where you are and, and being in that position feels really powerful and empowering too. So um, I just, I think that's, that part is amazing. And I'm glad things that happened, I mean, things change for you so rapidly because you are such a bright light. And I just, I, I keep thinking about if you went back to that 13 year old girl who was the caretaker who, um, of, of your mom and seeing what was modeled for you then and trying to, and somewhere in you intuitively knew there's something, there's something else for me. Right. Um, but it takes some time to get there, right? What would, what would be some things that you would share with her, your 13-year-old? We'll never give up. <laughs> you know, I always heard that, like, don't give up before the miracle. Um, clearly, she didn't give up. Um, eyes open. Um, so I, I think that ability to be open, I've, uh, you know, I, I 
I got sober kind of just one way with the 12 steps. And I think being in the field has really opened it up that there are so many paths. Um, that was something I didn't realize. Um, so I would say to my 13 year old girl, like, you know, keep your eyes open. Like the universe is always talking to you and there's so much to learn. And um, you've got this girl. <laughs> you've got this. I love that. That is so great. That's really wonderful. I'm wondering if you have for people that maybe you're supporting now or somebody who is on your path looking and saying, I keep falling back down this rabbit hole, you know, maybe somebody, somebody around our age at this point, not even thir- a 13 year old girl, what would you share with them? Yeah, it's funny because I'd almost share the exact same thing, which is really like, you know, it's just one day at a time that no matter what, you know, I I had such a hard time with that concept because I thought it was sort of a trick, like one day at a time, they really mean your whole life, but they're just telling you one day at a time, like I'm not an idiot, but I would say it's really one day at a time because, you know, it's just today, today, I'm going to do the next right thing and I'm going to go to a meeting and I'm going to help someone and I'm going to get out of my own way and whatever those pieces are tomorrow I can drink. Tomorrow I can screw up, but today I'm not going to. So I would really have someone, you know, dial it down. I would say don't give up before the miracle that everything is possible, um, that I had a, a lot of chances and what had the grace to not die. But um, if you if you stay alive, you have another chance at having a transformational life um, that can have your own meaning and purpose. So. My heart just exploded. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, I mean, I, that's a drop the mic right there, <laughs> Jody. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, Jody, just for sharing a little bit of your story. Um, you're just always, I, I just, I feel like you should be on, well, Folks, she does have a TED Talk, so you should go listen to her TED Talk, but you should be on big stages sharing your your miracle. I should be on podcasts. (laughs) You. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. I am going to let you enjoy your day. And um, thanks, Jody. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And I really appreciate all the feedback and the insights that people have shared with me about each of these different episodes. So I will plan on seeing you next week at the Corner of Hope and Wellness.